Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Mark Forbes, and together with Ted, you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. And welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. I'm Catherine Whitaker. I am in London, and I'm joined not by a uh, vomiting cat this week, but uh, by David Law, live from Singapore, literally standing in a puddle of confetti, or was moments ago standing in a puddle of confetti on the court in Singapore, moments after the 6-4, 6-4 victory of Caroline Wozniacki over Venus Williams to win the WTA finals, the biggest title of her 10-year career at the age of 27. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Venus Williams as well, another extraordinary final for her this season but what an achievement a performance a week for Caroline Wozniacki David yeah a a quite fantastic uh, week for her Uh, in her words in the interview that I did for BT Sport literally on the court within moments of of victory it's the biggest title of her career and you know you're talking about quite a long career you're talking about somebody who's who's had more than a decade playing the game now Um, and yeah she was she was pretty bowled over by it I mean looking in her eyes straight afterwards you, you could tell that this was this is somebody who's, be, who's seen a lot of tennis over the years, and yet this was a really, really big deal to her, you know, because she's she's come up short a lot of times. If you think of uh, in the very biggest matches from from losing the U.S. Open final that she reached to losing the one of the WTA finals that she reached in 2010 when she was the world number one to losing six finals this year in a row without winning a set. Then she won one in Tokyo. Now she's won this. So fantastic uh, performance from Caroline Wozniacki just before we analyse it any more though just a very quick thank you to Mark Forbes for his uh, his intro to the show and uh, and and to Ted the dog who is a, who's a, a most welcome addition um, and of course Mark Bactus in, in our Kickstarter so thank you very much Mark he's the Southampton Football Club kit man I mean how cool is that does that mean he provides the kit he washes the kit he does everything he he's, makes the kit he's the kit man does he hand weave the kit ha- kit kit man all things pertaining to kit yeah he, he, he he's he, the boss he does so and 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 uh, well and he he is the uh, creator of my favorite of all the intros that we have had so far for obvious canine reasons it's it's my fave it's gone it's gone straight in at number one you, you do realize what you're saying about uh, about charlie the ferret then and uh, and various others i've loved them all i've loved i've loved them all and you were the one that created the uh, the charts i wasn't going to rank them but given what about ella early <laughs> to have ended up yeah she was she was great and i know she's your favorite so she's already sort of won a rosette yeah, but I mean, my current favorite is 
is Mark and Ted. Yeah, well, I, I also Mark should, should say... Mark and Ted's excellent adventure on the tennis podcast. Mark made up for the fact that his team beat my football team, West Bromwich Albion, by getting me a signed shirt from our star striker, Jay Rodriguez. So how nice is that? Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you for your donation. Your, for your donation? It's not a donation. Hey, support. Why isn't, why isn't the Reading kit man... A tennis podcast listener. Maybe, maybe if anyone he is. out there, the mu- we're supposed to only uh, there's what is it five degrees of separation or is it three degrees of separation, four degrees of separation? Anyway, there must be someone out there who, at the very least, knows someone who knows <laughs> the Reading kit man or woman. Yeah, I urge you, if you feel like you might be that person, to you know make it so. There we go. Catherine has put out her plea uh, on the tennis podcast. Uh, back, back to Caroline Wozniacki. Uh, incidentally, uh, the, what was interesting about it is you, you know how towards the end of a match, you've done this many times, Catherine, when, when everybody goes out to get ready for the for the presentation the flash interviews you've done that many times i was there in my role ready to speak hopefully to the winner of the match when it was six four five love to caroline wozniacki and 20 minutes later it's five four and this against a player in venus williams who've beaten her seven times out of seven i mean she would have been a bit shaky i would have thought at that point but you know she just about held on yeah, well, t- tenacity um, and, and grit are the words that spring to mind for me uh, with Caroline Wozniak. I mean, as a competitor, she is as good as they come uh, in yeah, tennis. You she know, is, there's, there's, she is. there's something of, there's something of the, the Leighton Hewitt about it, you know, the, the terrier-like tenacity. She was 6-2 up in the first set tie-break against Karolina Pliskova. Uh, in the semi-final, a match that that you were commentating for me, that I, I know the second set didn't quite live up to to the the quality and competitiveness of the first, but for me that was that that was the hour and a half of the tournament. That first set of that match, six two up in the tie break, she finds herself then set points down to Karolina Pliskova and the tenacity to to keep maintain her presence of mind to not panic and to come through that and it's interesting that that was precisely what Renee Stubbs Karolina Pliskova's coach was trying to urge her to do throughout in the latter stages of that first set she was trying to tell her you know because I think she had opportunities to break, uh, which would have left her serving for the set, or were they set points? In fact, the, Karolina Pliskova had opportunities. I think five or six of them. And there was an epic game, and she didn't get them. And she called Renee Stubbs onto the court um, after that game, and she ju- there was nothing tactical discussed at all, apart from some sort of urgings towards uh, maybe hitting a few more body serves. But it was just, you know, don't panic. You know, when you're playing Caroline. Wozniacki, she's not going away. She's yeah. just going to stay there. She's going to stay with you. She's going to fight to the bitter end. And you probably are going to need 10 breakpoint chances before you take one. You probably are going to need 10 set points before you take one. You've just got to not panic. And in in the end, it's difficult to tell whether Karolina Pliskova is panicking because she, she gives so little away, sort of facially and, and bodily. But it was Caroline Wozniacki that, that kept her cool. And she did so, you know... Can't imagine what it feels love to like to lose a five love lead. I mean, I would just you know throw my racket down in a strop and march off the court in in protest and say, well, I, I thought I had this one. This is ridiculous. <laughs> um, but she just she just stuck with it and. Um, I'm full of admiration for that. Yeah, so, so am I. And incidentally, when, when you think back to that Pliskova match, it's the first time we've ever seen Pliskova coached by an English native speaker. So it's the first time we've had a real insight into what goes through her mind because she's speaking in those on-court interviews in uh, coaching sessions in English. And the words she used, I mean, it was six set points apiece in that first set before Wozniacki finally won it the words that she used to to Renee Stubbs were she's everywhere I, I don't you know and and and, that, and and Renee Stubbs said and that's a surprise to you you know and and that's what Wozniacki does to people if you look at the the lineup of players at this tournament arguably she might even be the eighth talented out of the eight 
in terms of what they can do. And the, the other players that have won slams and have uh, Halep's ended the year as world number one, Plishkiver's got a bigger game, Muguruza's won Wimbledon, Venus Williams has won countless slams. You, you, you could look at it in those terms, but Wozniacki, I, I think because she's, she's uh, a certain kind of image in, in public, it, it slightly doesn't do justice to the fighting spirit that you just described because she does not go away um she's had some rough years and rough periods but boy does she she fight and and it isn't over until the last point with her and and she's a worthy winner of this tournament she really is yeah she absolutely is i mean the manner of some of her victories you know when you think of caroline wozniacki she's had some you know extraordinary wins and runs and titles over the years but you think of her sort of grinding them out you don't think of her breezing past people six love six two you know breeze breezing past top 10 players six love six two do you i mean yeah she's absolutely the deserving winner of this title it's interesting a, a colleague um of ours matt cameraman matt cameraman editor matt who i don't know if he's actually a, a tennis podcast listener i don't know if it's even worth me giving him of course a shout he is. Out. he's certainly an owner of a tennis podcast t-shirt so he's he's one of the family whether he likes it or not um but he has um reminded us that amelie moresmo was world number one and won a wta finals before winning her first slam she won the WTA finals in 05 and then went on to win her first slam at the Aussie Open in 06 and Matt is potentially suggesting that Wozniacki could kind of possibly follow that blueprint yeah possibly possible. I mean it's very possible a year, a year ago though I think back to when Dominika Sibylkova won this tournament and I remember how she came out the next year so full of hope and so determined and ended up putting too much pressure on herself actually as well um, I, I, I think that Wozniacki needs still needs things to go her way she needs to avoid certain people I would have thought at slams um, think back to the start of this year when Johanna Conta absolutely crunched her in the, in the Australian Open in the third round um, that having been said I think she's a better player now than she was then no question about it she's she's added some aggression and some some assertiveness to her game and, um, and she's added aces incidentally when she steps onto the court against Pliskova Throughout the first three matches, she'd, she'd out-aced Carolina Pliskova, who's hit more aces this year than anybody. So, who knows? I mean, she's only 27, Wozniacki. She's been around for 12 years. It's a long time. Uh, she first turned pro at, uh, at 15. But, you know, great great, great win for her. And, uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased for her, actually. Yeah, la- last couple of um, aspects of her win that I just wanted to... To touch upon, I don't want to dwell too much on the speed of, of the court as a talking point because we covered it in the last podcast, and I don't want to be um, de- detracting from her victory by saying, "Oh, she only won because the, the court was really slow and that suited her." Well, you know, you, you, you play you play on the, the court you're given. I, don't, I think that's a, a moot point, really. But the fact is, there aren't any Grand Slams played on courts like that. That court did suit her down to the ground and also to her credit she adapted her game to it brilliantly but all of the grand slam court surfaces around the world are quite different to this court surface in Singapore aren't they? Yeah they are they are and it's quite interesting I've just been because as you said I was I've gone out there for a team photo just now with the BT Sport crew so you get to see the court up close I've even I even took a little photo of the the court surface to show how it's put together these boards that are fitted together and you can actually see the seals between the the, the, the wooden boards that they put down and they put this heavy paint on top of it with this this sand in it to slow it up and when you walk on it I mean, I'm just walking on it on sort of, you know, black business shoes. And, and there's a stickiness to the surface that, that I, I, I don't think you would get on the other hard courts around the world. And, and, and you're quite right. I mean, this is way slower than anything that they play on typically. A word as well for Venus Williams, because a week ago when we spoke, she really... I mean, she, her first performance was, was flat-footed and lethargic uh, uh, against... Um, I can't even remember who she lost to in her first match of the tournament. Plishkiva, wasn't it? And, um, and, and her, her demeanour we discussed last week, she, she 
did look and sound as if she really didn't want to be here. But on the court, she was producing and getting better with every single match. I mean, she fell short today. But even today, you know, 5-love, how many players at 6-4, 5-love would have just given it up? frankly and she just kept trying and kept pushing and she was not far away from turning it around she's beaten some main major players this week to get to the final age 37 and uh you know and she's already signed up i saw for uh, i think it's sydney at the start of next year so (laughs) venus williams is not done yet yeah and she casually dropped into her speech on court didn't she that she hopes to be back you know she's got absolutely no thoughts of retirement yet I mean who knows what what could happen health or injury wise but it certainly doesn't seem to be anywhere in the front of in the front of her mind retirement um yeah it it, Matt Roberts student Matt has used the word bittersweet to describe Venus's year on Twitter because her consistency has been amazing reaching two Grand Slam finals and the WTA finals nobody would have expected that at the beginning of the year but He's used another good word here. She fell agonisingly short in all of the biggest moments, didn't she? Yes, the fact that she fought back in in that second set today was very, very impressive and many wouldn't have been able to. But the fact is, in all of those three big finals, she was well, well short. And that's going to hurt her. It still stings. You could see on the court. I mean, I know we, we know and have discussed how over all of the the, the the media requirements Venus Williams is. And, and last week we discussed the... Um, it floated the idea of her being given some kind of special exemption. But e- even in that um, post-match speech, she seemed completely over it. But she also seemed crushingly disappointed, didn't she? Just, yeah. I think it really hurts that she she hasn't been able to, to properly compete in those in those biggest matches yeah uh, I, I agree with you I think it, it, bittersweet is an, is an excellent word to describe it and incidentally at the start of the match Martina Navratilova who was part of our team was saying look if if she wins this match to her hands down Venus Williams is the player of the year even though Simona Halep finished number one and Magarutha was crowned player of the year before this event began but when you think thought about it two, two slam finals plus this if she'd have won it that then I, I, I tell you I, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have gone along with that given all the, all the criteria and, and circumstance by which she's, she's doing what she's doing um, but, but yeah it, I, I mean I think she, she was on the edge all the way through the week in terms of just uh, feeling whether she got the energy and the get up and go for it but on the court she's just so single minded and, and everything else goes out the window 20 years a competitor and still a competitor yeah and just a, a couple of um, quick last points uh, on the final and our two finalists first of all uh, Stuart Fraser the Times tennis correspondent who's out in Singapore has just, just this second tweeted uh, that he's just left another very short press conference with Venus Williams uh, he said her only answer of note is that she's ruled out playing in the Fed Cup final uh, which is interesting um, and the, the last thing I want to say and I don't want to hark on this at all but I I um, I wouldn't be able to forgive myself if I didn't just mention it and that is I was so bowled over by Caroline Wozniacki this week today and yesterday in particular um, although you know scoreline wise her her group victories were were in many ways the most impressive but her grit and competitive spirit completely it took my breath away at times and I thought this this woman is just embodies everything that is great about competitive sport and it just makes me sad that a lot of people will know her mostly for posing semi-naked in Sports Illustrated and the very various places that we see her semi-clothed and I don't vilify her for that I vilify the people that think that Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition is still an okay thing to have in 2017 so I'm not for a moment willing to vilify her I just think it's a shame that for a lot of people in the wider world when you say the name Caroline Wozniacki the first thought won't be incredible athlete and competitor 
for a lot of people, the first thought would be, oh, didn't she look great um, in body paint next to that swimming pool? Um, and that's all I want to say about it. I just think that is a shame. Well, I would agree with you. Shall we move on? Let's is there any on. other... Well, you, you, what else have you got for us from, well, from on the ground in <laughs> Singapore, David? Yeah, well, I mean, it's... it's um, it's an interesting tournament, and in terms of its stature, it is not, it's not as big as the O2 uh, on the men's side in terms of the capacity of it, uh, which I think is something like 13,000. This is more like 7,000. But I think it's been, overall, I think it's been a good home for this tournament. It's got one more year left uh, here. They're already talking about where it might go next. Um, it might come back here, but there is... Uh, there are some other cities that are putting in some pretty strong bids um, from Manchester, Manchester um, St. Petersburg is another one. And I personally think, particularly following the Labour Cup, I think Prague is a, is a very strong candidate in terms of image. Whether whether all the infrastructure and the money will, will be able to match up, who knows? Um, but I tell you... Yeah, well, at, Czech women's tennis is in a in a exactly in right a fine fine yeah. place. Yeah, and isn't and, it? and, so. and that's, that to me is an important aspect because you know you want to have an atmosphere. It was a good atmosphere today. It was a really exciting final, and people really did get into it. But if you could imagine a home crowd cheering for a couple of Czech players um, and the world's best others coming in against them. I, I think that that would be really exciting, personally. And, and I think that, that Prague would be a fantastic home for a, an event like this. I know there's a lot that goes into it, but, but I, I think that that would be, would be something pretty special. So um, that, and, and the other thing to just say is, is Caroline Garcia, who has been one of the revelations of, of the year. And it's all happened in the last six weeks. Um, and I just hope that she builds on it because um I, I had the first i've never spoken to her before this week i got a chance to interview her and I, and I really really liked her i think she's very open and 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 just good news for the sport in every in everything she does yeah i i, I echo that completely i've never had the chance to, to interview or, or speak to her. She, she she comes across really well i think and uh also on the subject of, of her dad, who's also the, the coach, I think he sometimes gets a, a bit of a hard time. You know, he's cast as this overbearing tennis father. And look, you know, there are a lot of overbearing tennis fathers out there and he might be one of them, I don't know. But I have heard lots of really nice things about him. You know, he's, he's, that he's a, a nice bloke and really takes an interest in people and he, he perhaps isn't that caricature of a, a tennis dad that we maybe cast him out. Yeah, well there was a there was there was a moment sometimes. Catherine when he um he came onto the court when she was a set and a breakdown in the uh, the final group match and she was tearful. She was really struggling to, to to deal with the situation because she just wanted it so much. You could tell she was so desperate to win and it wasn't happening. And he came on and he basically said, "Look, just breathe. Just just relax." He said, "It doesn't matter." whether whether you win this tournament whether you win this match we're just learning here we're just experiencing this just 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 do your best basically and she went out and won the next four, four games presumably david this is all being said in french yeah i tell you what, what's happened to this you is the new you've me. been on a crash course this is the new me catherine <laughs> <laughs> i've got it all in my the ear new from, uh, Francais, david law that's right the producer was telling me every word that was being said um but no i mean it was <laughs> and it was great and then in the in the final set this was against Alina Svitolina. she then went five three down uh, i think it was Svitolina that match i get so confused there's been so many of these matches uh and then in five three down in the decider and she goes and uh, she goes and wins it um it was it was brilliant yeah, it was a great match yeah. i love that little rivalry developing i mean their matches of late have been fantastic haven't they i mean beijing most notably but um yeah i love that little rivalry just a quick very quick word on simona hallett david she is ending the year uh world number one she i i, I think would have been very disappointed um with how things ended up panning out for her out there um, Chris Bradnam, your commentary colleague uh, at BT Sport and a colleague of mine uh, from Eurosports, tweeted that he thinks uh, she was mentally 
the weakest in the field this week. She might be a, a fine, fine player, and she might have, you know, made great strides and be, you know, on a on a good path generally with Darren Cahill. But she remains mentally weak. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he said uh, I think he said weak, weakest world number one ever. And uh, look, I mean, d- yeah. d- there's unquestionably still plenty to work on there. I mean, she that that has shone a, a light on it again this week. I would also say I felt if I were to look back, uh, there are other players like Dinara Safina who who looked like they struggled with that that number one ranking as well but any in any case I think she remains a work in progress and yet she's finished the, the year as the world number one we mustn't forget that that she's obviously done a lot right and I, I hope though that she's able to keep getting better that's that's the hope because she's such a good player to watch and and, and very very popular um, so yeah I mean it's 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 just a slightly unsatisfactory feel in some ways that there isn't a clear number one at the moment but hey you know it's been an interesting year just because of it, of the weirdness of it all hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from invesco qqq the official etf of the ncaa the future isn't scary not realizing its potential however could be Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Now, we're going to move on to talk about uh, what's been going on in Vienna and Basel on the ATP tour this week. Before I do, but and, and I can hear people being up in arms and saying, you haven't mentioned the doubles. We will mention the doubles, and we certainly will be mentioning uh, Martina Hingis. We actually have an exclusive David Law interview with Martina Hingis. Uh, so we'll be doing that at the end of the podcast. So uh, don't be up in arms. You can put your arms down. Um <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the doubles victors uh, will get more than a mention but as I speak David I must declare that we are recording it's around about 2.42 you, well not around about it is precisely 2.42 UK time and uh, I'm looking at my laptop screen and Juan Martín del Potro is prowling around the back of the centre court uh, in Basel and he is on serve in the first set against Roger Federer in their third match in the last few months. I love their rivalry he's got advantage to hold serve I won't I'm not going to fall into the trap of doing the sort of live updates because obviously they'll be um completely redundant uh, by the time anybody is listening to this obviously you've been out in Singapore I've been more focused on Singapore than on Vienna or, or Basel and and distracted by um figure skating commentary which is what I've been doing this week but I have been um of course David for the sake of the podcast keeping 
as close an eye as I can on these two events. Now, I saw Roger Federer beat David Goffin in the semi-finals yesterday, and this was after his uh, slightly rocky um, three-set victory over Manorino in the quarters. And, and, and Manorino, frankly, my take on that was that Manorino just played a smart, smart match. And his, his tennis brain is almost second to none, Manorino. He doesn't have the talent and the weapons of, you know... I mean, talent and, and well, certainly weapons-wise, he's well down the pecking order. You know, he's probably outside the world's top 100, really. But he, if you could implant the... And I, the, uh, this is um, a borrowed um, turn of phrase, but I really liked it, so thank you, uh, Matthew Whitaker, for lending this to me. Um, if you could implant the Adrian Manorino, ten, whatever chip he has in his brain that gives him his shot selection and, and all of that, if you could plant that into Grigor Dimitrov, what you'd, you'd have, you'd have the uh, world number one tennis player. But anyway, um, so yeah, so Roger Federer, a slightly rocky victory in the quarters over Manorino, then played Goffin yesterday. Poor little David Goffin. I mean, he's, he's one of the shortest stature tennis players anyway. And throughout the course of his thrashing by Roger Federer, and Federer was imperious, he, it looked like he was visibly shrinking before my very eyes. It was obviously... Um, it was obviously a, a visual trick. He wasn't... Well, I hope he wasn't shrinking. But, yeah, I mean, it was just... It was it was unfair. It looked like bullying. You know that was it was Roger Federer gliding, guiding, um, half volleyed backhands down the line from the baseline. You know it was it was that good. And um, I'm, I'm I'm watching. I'm keeping an eye on this final without commentary and you know without any atmosphere. But it looks pretty good to me. And Del Potro, my goodness me, I I keep saying it, but I didn't realise he could he could do this week in week out anymore I didn't think his wrists would let him do what he's doing on a weekly basis no he, he appears uh, and again I haven't been able to watch match to match but I've read quite a, a bit of what's been going on it appears that Del Potro is actually getting better throughout the year I mean he, he had a pretty rough start and, and there was a period where he got bogged down and he was getting bad draws and, and wasn't wasn't getting results and you started to wonder well, maybe maybe last year with the Olympics etc maybe that was maybe that was it maybe that was his comeback and here he is just romping through draws to, to meet Roger Federer every week <laughs> at the moment um, and, uh, and and Federer's level isn't dropping either so it's exciting times. I mean, it, it'll, it will it will be fascinating to see whether Del Potro can get over the line for London, and whether Federer can have, can actually go into London with the world number one ranking up for grabs. I mean, crikey! So the points reaching the final have elevate, elevated him to fourteen. He'd get another two hundred on top of that for winning it. That would uh, jump him up into 13th although for complicated reasons it's not a, a real life 13th because you've got to remove Vavrinka, Djokovic and Murray um, from the equation so he would actually be sort of 10th or 11th something like that so he would still need a good run in Paris he would need to outperform uh, Anderson, Query and Carreño Buster uh, in Paris, Songa is now uh, very much in the hunt as well. He was a losing finalist today to his countryman Luca Puy um, in Vienna. I'm very pleased to see Luca Puy um, winning a title. I find him an immensely frustrating tennis player because I love watching him play. He's a lovely bloke. I, I, he's really stylish. He can be swashbuckling but he can also be um, flaky and um, a bit, yeah, just frustrating and disappointing, but not this week in Vienna. Uh, I think it's too late for him to make any kind of charge for uh, London. He's down in 24th, even with those Vienna points. So really, I think the lowest we can go in terms of uh, those with a genuine hope of qualifying now is down to Songa in 15th. Dimitrov qualified, uh, so didn't he? Dimitrov qualified. He was always going to qualify, David. How about that? Not news. Amazing. 
And, uh, and Chilich. Uh, yeah. well, what happened to Carl uh, yeah. Edmund this week? Didn't he have a good run? Dimitrov's there, Chilich is there. He lost in the semi-finals again. Uh, he's still yet to make an ATP Tour final. He won the first set uh, over Luca Pui, 7-6. Did so well in the tie-break. Uh, gritty second set and then just fell away in the third. There was so much to admire, but... And I hate to say this because I, I like the bloke so much and I like so much about his game, but there was a feeling of inevitability about that third set. He does need to work on that. You know, he could he could learn a lesson or two from from Wozniacki about her her tenacity and grit, and it is not for lack of trying. Can I say? With I, it's really I, not. I think that we you you need to slightly cut him a bit of slack there, to be honest, because. From what I understand, he won three setters to get there. Um, Luca Pui, he had, yeah. Luca Pui is a better player than he is, and and I think that this is this marks. I mean, this is what is an ATP 500 and an indoor one. It's you know, I, I'm if somebody told me that Kyle Edmund would reach the semis, I'd have, I'd have, honestly, I'd have said get out of town, no way. So, Look, I absolutely agree with you, but you asked me what you know what happened to him and in the end what happened to him is he he fell away in the deciding set against Luca Pui he was broken uh, to lose the match in he'd already been broken it was a, it was a double break to lose lose the match but just you know and it, this is a game of very very fine margins isn't it as i said there was a lot to admire but we'll still you know broad perspective go down as a cracking week for Kyle Edmund and absolutely should he should take loads from it but in the end what happened is he 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 fell away a bit, yeah. and it, it's that it's that one or two percent, and I I believe he has it in him. You know, he's he's a no stone left unturned player, isn't he? He gives it his absolute. Well, you never doubt his effort. Um, yeah, when I when you know when I say sort of falling away, not for lack of effort no. ever from Kyle Edmund but there is just something isn't there that whether it's belief confidence I don't know there's something tenacity keep using the word tenacity it's my word of the week Um, but anyway uh, still a good week brilliant week for Puy still a good week for for Songa title followed by a final Um, so you'd have to think that the the carrot of London is uh, dangling and looming large uh, in the on the horizon of of the likes of Del Potro and, and Songa, be interesting to see what happens. Whether Query and Anderson, who've done pretty much nothing since uh, the U.S. Open, what they can muster in Paris next week, it's 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 going to be all on Paris, and good, I love that. Good stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Fly home, watch that. Uh, it's four all, fifteen all. It's four all, fifteen all. Okay. In um, in Basel, by the way. Cool. Just, just to let you know, um, the race to Milan, the next gen finals, that is done. It's over. The race is run. I hadn't quite computed the fact that Paris wouldn't count towards Milan. And Zverev's so out, isn't doesn't it? Doesn't matter what any of these youngsters do. Yes, Zverev has been removed uh, from all promotional materials. From all, they, they're just pretending that Sasha Zverev does not exist. When I got the um, ATP press release saying who had qualified, he wasn't in it. He, he, he just wasn't in the press release. Um, I do I, I do under, have it on good authority that he will be going, I think, on the Tuesday of uh, the event, which is not this week, but the week after. I think he'll be going, doing some sponsor appearances, showing his support for the event, which is important. And we've, we've, we've said it several times that I don't think he can be blamed for not for not playing both. No, you know, he's doing the right a thing. Huge deal for him. It just, it just did amuse me when I <laughs> when I got that uh, email that he's just been airbrushed out of the next gen set up altogether. So the top qualifier is Andre Rublev, US Open quarter finalist. Karen Khachanov, uh is second qualifier. Denis Shapovalov, Jared Donaldson, Borna Choric, uh, Daniil Medvedev, and then Hyun Chung has just snuck in. Uh, in eighth position uh, and then they have a Italian 
wild card um, that was decided via a playoff. I'm not sure who that's gone to. Um, Matteo Berrettini was the highest-ranked Italian player uh, in the next-gen ranking. So whether it's gone to him, I don't know. Interesting that there are a few, you know, hefty-ish names that didn't make it. Francis Tiafo didn't make it. It feels like he's had a better year than that to be mm. ninth in the next-gen rankings. Yeah. Taylor Fritz didn't make it. I know he took... Um, uh, a few months off at the start of the year um, because he had his first child, um, so that won't have helped. But strange to see TFO sits a pass mix missed out. Taylor Fritz, um, I suspect organisers would have liked liked certainly TFO and Fritz to be there. But there you go. Yeah, probably not probably would be. have done. But uh... and they're, they're not going to have another chance to qualify for the next gen finals, are they? Because they'll be too old. Yeah, it comes to us all. Did you see um, Ivo Karlovic's um, hilarious tweet a couple of days ago, David? Uh, yes, that, uh, that he uh, he was apologising that he was going to be unable to make it, aged 37. Yeah, I, I regret to inform my fans that I've had to withdraw from the race to the next-gen finals uh, due to an ankle injury. Um, so, I promised doubles chat. Doubles chat is what we'll get, David. You commentated on the uh, doubles final uh, out in Singapore won by Andrea Havlachkova to Mayer Babosh a relatively new pairing new this year certainly yeah great great pairing actually and a great story because um, the, uh, there was there was a great fact that Flavachkova could have qualified twice for this tournament because uh, she and Peng, Peng Shui got enough points in the first three months of the year to have qualified for this event and we're actually uh, she was so she was ahead of her opponents today um Kiki Burtons and Johanna Larson twice in the standings and then uh, they split up because Peng Shui wanted to concentrate on singles so she hooked up with Tamir Babosh they qualified they beat in the semi-finals uh, Martina Hingis and Chan the world number one pair had won nine titles this year uh, so they got to the final the hard way brilliant final went to the decider they came back from a set down to Lovachkova and Babosh and eventually managed to win it 10-5 in the decider. I mean, it was just fantastic tennis and really good fun to commentate. I know it's so rare that we do doubles commentary and uh, and I, I really enjoyed it alongside Joe Jury. And um, it also, halfway through this tournament, brought the career of Martina Hingis to a close. She'd, she'd announced uh, just after... Well, basically, after I got a chance to, to speak to her, that she was going to call it a day. So um, the the cat was set free from the bag, as she put it. It's interesting that she she seems to have suggested, or maybe more than suggested, that this has been the plan all year. That she informed her her doubles partner Chan that this was always going to be when they teamed up at the start of the year. That this was always going to be her last year, and she was actually really impressed at what a good job she had done of keeping that secret. She sort of wasn't expecting the secret to last as long as it did. And as you said, David, at the time that you spoke to her, you didn't know. No one knew. But um, you did get to speak to her. And here they are, David Law, Martina Hingis. Well, it makes me really proud because um, we had a great year, great season, and qualified soon enough to not have to worry about it, not to stress about making it to Singapore and uh, you know, also winning a slam that definitely helps and getting back to number one it's a nice accomplishment uh, when you come to Singapore and try to you know, win another title. You've won nine titles together this year, what makes you such a good partnership? That's our secret and we're not going to tell anyone. <laughs> I think it's the chemistry and just like really uh, work hard for each other, like practice and, and cover each other on the court. And I think just our games really match well. And, um, you know, it just kind of got better with as the year went on and um, tried to even improve, you know, little things here and there and always try to get better. You, you've been playing now for, for, for such a long time. When one looks at your... your... You make me feel really old now. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I'm even older, if that helps. When I look at your first doubles titles here, it was almost in your first career, if, if I want to put it like that. In, in... Yeah, it was, in a way, because uh, you know, 20, 22 years is a long time, and uh, I had some years of break of uh, touring and playing pro tennis. So it, I never kind of stopped playing tennis, but always enjoyed the part of it, or like the, really the love for the game. And now it's nice to be challenged again and uh, with 
still being able to play at the top of, of it and battle against the best teams out there, um, it, it's a pretty cool feeling. How does the standard compare now to, say, back in 99 when you were winning the doubles title then? Well, I think it's uh, different in the way that it's, everything is much more specialized. Even you could see that in the men's game already, that you, you really have doubles players uh, focusing only on doubles, then you have some singles guys sometimes go in and out. But um, back in the day, we all played doubles as well. Most of the singles girls we did in, front, in the top 10 or top 20 players. Now you have sometimes like some top players uh, go play doubles, but it's, uh, it's not easy for a singles girl. I think it's, um, it's faster and it's more precise maybe. Yeah, you definitely have more court to cover when you play singles, but uh, it's more physical, but it, it definitely isn't slower and it's uh, more strategy. So it's a bit different. And uh, I think this is definitely something that has changed over the years that you really specialize some of the things uh, for doubles. And in regard to that, the singles event obviously goes on side by side. Is there a bit of you that will look at that and think, oh, I wouldn't mind having a play of that as well? I mean, that's only natural that you always like have a sneak peek how the singles girls are doing and playing but I mean you have to be also realistic I mean I would have to put twice the effort and the amount of practice and work and which I'm not willing to do anymore I just really enjoy it um, being out there and play the doubles and uh, and rather lift up the trophies and then just get out like and win a match or two so it, it's different there are, I'm 37 and you don't recover as fast as when I was 17 <laughs> Venus is doing it you can do it um, <laughs> I don't have Venus to serve so I had to like dig deep and run a little bit more over my career than she did <laughs> final question you won 43 singles titles you've won more than 60 doubles titles are you a better doubles player even than you were a singles player I always, I always thought that, <laughs> and I always did say that because uh, my first even major Grand Slam title uh, in Wimbledon I won when I was 15, and I had more doubles titles at that time already when I first stopped. And uh, yeah, no, I, I always thought, you know, the teamwork. I always enjoy playing uh, with a partner, and uh, like I said, I, it's not being lazy, but I enjoy that more than having to go and practice. <laughs> Great stuff. Lovely to see you. Here. All right, thank you. So really interesting, David, a, a really nice interview, but really interesting that she thinks she's a better... It seems strange now to be talking about her in the past tense, doesn't it? But I suppose that that is it. It is Martina Hingis as a tennis player is past tense. She thinks she was a better doubles player than singles player. I find that fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I, I asked that question almost mischievously because I really didn't expect her to say say any, anything either way. I thought she would fudge the answer and, and say, you know, I, I had a great singles career and I had a great doubles career, but she was so candid in that interview. And I mean, the, one of the reasons I asked it was because I, I spent quite a lot of time looking at her record in preparation for speaking to her. And obviously this was the, the third stage of her career um, because she, she came on the scene as a teenager. She was dominate let's not forget even when Serena and Venus were starting out sort of thing and uh, she was the world number one for quite a long period there was Steffi, Steffi Graf in there for a while um, she didn't quite have the power to, to live with them and dominating quite the same way that certainly Serena has gone on to do but f but for a while she was and then and then she she basically I think burnt out really at, at the age of 23 she had injuries as well she stopped she came back let's not forget that she had a positive drugs test for for cocaine at the end of the second part of her career um, and then after that had finished she came back as a doubles player and what she did in that third section of her career I mean let's not forget she she won doubles slams and doubles WTA finals in the late 90s and, and 2000 and then she came back and did it again in her in her mid to late 30s she has been the best doubles player in the world for two or three years now um, and uh, I, I, to me she was always one of my favourite players to watch just as a simple experience of watching her play the game I always enjoyed it uh, on the singles court and then you know more recently in doubles as well but it's, I, I find it difficult to judge whether she's better or not.
because I don't know enough about the technicalities of it. But you look at the the numbers, and she's won more doubles titles, and and to do it at that age as well, oh, I find it extraordinary with multiple different partners. You know. Yeah, the, unfortunately, there's no sort of metric available to to empirically analyse um, whether she was better at one or the other. I, I still, I mean, age has been the the ultimate feature of her career, hasn't it? It's what she was able to do in doubles at a relatively old age and what she did in singles at an extraordinarily young age she's been defined by age at both ends of her career hasn't she which is yeah what what a what a you know as as you rightly pointed out not 100% positive but what a rainbow of a career I suppose in terms you know she's been through everything hasn't she been through retirement at least twice already and been through all the highs all the lows you know she's seen sort of generations come and go she's yeah she's she's seen it all and um it'd be interesting to see what she does with her retirement she's she's as i say she's retired before and she's not enjoyed it very much no, she? she's, she's found it tough she's, to, she's to walk missed, away yeah she's found it tough so um if be it'd be very unlikely to think that she, she if she found it tough again she could think about coming back never say never but yeah it will be interesting to see what she does now she's dabbled in coaching hasn't she she's um worked a little bit with Belinda Benchich who her mum works more closely with so we'll yeah her next steps we await them eagerly I think David I think that's it. I think it is. But to update you on the uh, score in the match that will already be completed by the time that you're listening to this, but Federer just served for the first set and was broken. Goodness me. So we're at 5 all in the first set. So, yeah, let's wrap this up so I can go and properly watch that match because it looks an absolute corker. They are, um, off the top of my head, perhaps my favourite rivalry of 20... Of 20 17, no, hang on, I've got to go with Federer and Nadal, haven't I? Although, actually, their matches, I'm just, this is just um, verbal diarrhoea from me now. I'm just uh, d- d- telling you um, everything that's coming into my head. But actually, Nadal and Federer's matches, barring the Australian Open final, haven't been that great. So, yeah, I'll call this my men's rivalry of the year. Oh, I'm, I'm going to give that one a bit of thought, but I like it. So, on that note, David, I'll let you. Um, Maybe get some sleep. Are you, have you got any plans to get some sleep? Or are you hopping straight on a plane back to Birmingham? No. In this order. Bar, sleep, plane. Excellent. All the best things. Well, two of the best things. One of the not so great things. Indeed. But enjoy. Enjoy all three of those things. And we will uh, reunite uh, next week for a UK, a fully UK-based tennis podcast. Brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. We'll speak to you soon. Okie doke. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.